one thing that we can be sure of is that in the middle of high praise, there will be opposition. Distractions of all kinds want to enter into that space, vying for our attention, for our affection. As difficult as it is, keep that Bottom no damsels in distress. Come first. Jesus. And unfortunately, we have habitually bowed down to need the corporate. So some of the distractions that enter into our space in the high praise simply yielding to all kinds of things going on. To distract us. The curl is off. To take our attention off of the man. The only one. Don't you love saying that? I love saying that. Jesus, you are the only one. Jesus, the only reason that we gathered here together is because you are the only one. You're the only one. You're the only one that is worthy of the whole affection. All things Just feel it wrong. Just set up so if you could just do that with me, let's just set up for here actually, because for too long we have had spirit of distraction hanging out and having its way, and I've had enough. But yeah, it's gotta go. Like it's enough is enough, right? Like I don't know why it's taken us this long because it's been here for the entirety of our existence. <laughs> but enough is enough, and what we tolerate has permission to function authority. Because who has dominion and was told to subdue the earth? So anything we tolerate around. So I don't know how you do this. I don't even know how I do this. But we're going to set a perimeter around this space that when we are here and our mission is to lift high the name above every other name, nothing else is allowed in. Single-mindedness. That's all. A people that are in one accord, lifting your name high, Jesus. That's what's allowed in here. Everything else must go now. Everything else must bow to the name of Jesus. I don't know which of you spirits thinks that you occupy this domain, but let me just tell you right now. You're gone. You have no authority here. By the blood of the Lamb, we take back what is Jesus. Amen. That's how we do that for now. <laughs> we will grow in our authority. And this is a really important topic that I'm hoping um, really is on the forefront of all of our minds because it matters. It matters a whole lot. Um, as most of you know, I have been serving on jury duty. And can I just invite you to change your mind about jury duty? First and foremost, I want to invite you to change your mind. It's important. It's important for people who know their authority to be involved in such things. And here I am, two weeks, having to report to the courthouse to fulfill that duty. And of course, you're like, oh, I hate being under somebody else's time restraints. I don't want to be told that I have to be here. But in the middle of it all, I started like releasing some different declarations. And God, in his kindness, confronts me in this. And he goes, you have no authority to Ouch! <laughs> that hurts. You have no authority. Why do I not have authority in that domain? But I've never taken it. We haven't. 
we spend most of our time straddling a line of dominion, the worlds and the kingdoms. We play around because we tolerate things, right? We have to take this more seriously. Because had I gone in there with the knowledge of my authority beforehand, I could have shifted anything in the As can you. In any area that you walk into, because we were told to have dominion and subdue the earth, right? It's ours. And what we lost has been regained through the victory of Jesus Christ. By the blood of the Lamb, we take dominion, we take authority. And I also learned that God's ways are certainly not justice. God's justice is not the same as the world's system of justice. Not the same together. But I do want us to be very aware of authority that has been granted to us. That authority is to be used to put the victory of Jesus Christ on display. And when we are stopped short at doing that, in such things as a murder trial, How do you think God is going to put his victory on display? So you and I. And so if I am stopped up and I don't know my authority, then God can't have his way in that scenario. It's really important that you learn him well and that you act And it's by his word that our authority is activated in those and I grew in it. I grew in it. That was teaching me how to use his word to expand his kingdom authority through me. So by the end of it, I'm starting to toddle, right? I'm not just sitting there thinking like, well, I can just with my mind change this. <laughs> you know? But that's what I think that we do. We never say it like that, but it's certainly our activity with my mind. I'm just going to sit here in this jury box and change what's happening in the world. And the problem with that is, is that most of us function on compassion. Compassion is bias. When we function on compassion alone, it has a bias, and it has to line up with the narrative that's going on in our humanity. When we fall under the authority of the kingdom, justice and righteousness become the standard because it's the foundation. So we can't rely on our emotions. We can't rule and reign based on our emotions. We have to understand justice and righteousness. It has everything to do with what we're going to talk about. We're going to start in... Acts 3, 3, starting in verse 13. Actually... Just, just back up to 12. And when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you marveling at this? Or why are you gazing at us as though by our own power or godliness we have made him walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and you denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. And I realized that this is this was me in that moment. Because I had denied the fullness of my authority, I am also denying that it is Jesus teaches. One or that. We have to live fully with everything that he teaches. So we aren't lumped in. So we're not lumped in. Yes? But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked that a man who was a murderer be granted to you. Did I mention it was a murder trial? It became very real. So it was just very interesting that this was where we were going this week and you know, this is what is unfolding before my eyes. The murderer on trial. And I cannot imagine after hearing the details of what had transpired, I can't imagine Jesus, but I know of Jesus. And I have all the information, right? They didn't. I have all the information at my disposal. I know who he was. 
I cannot imagine trading him up. It's in my He is still the one who serves. He lives to serve. My man. And the author of life you killed, whom God has raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And upon faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you behold and know, and the faith which is through him has given him the wholeness of life before you all. And if you remember, I don't know when it was, but... We, we did a teaching on the name of Christ being a little space that we can run into. Into the name of Jesus is where all life goes. This man is brought in, into the name of Jesus, the wellspring of life, where healing flows freely. Yes? And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as also your rulers did. But the things which God announced beforehand through the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn, that your sins may be wiped away, so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, who has been previously appointed to you, whom heaven must indeed receive until the times of the restoration of all things, of which God spoke through the mouth of his holy prophet from of old. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. This prophecy might as well be titled the unbelievable prophecy. Because it was the one that was overlooked. It was the one that they paid no attention to. It is the prophecy of Jesus Christ that they didn't want. It's the one they discarded, the one they threw out. And the very reason they did not recognize him. Let's read it. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of Jehovah been revealed? For he grew up. Like a tender plant before him, and like a root out of dry ground, who has no attracting form, nor majesty that we should look upon him, no more beautiful appearance that we should desire him. Instead of majesty, we have poverty. Where is Jesus from? Nazareth. It's a very poor community. Absolutely. Nothing good comes from Nazareth, they said. How could how could the Messiah, how could the, the King of Kings come out of Nazareth? How is this possible? Do you know growing up, Jesus would have been known as a bastard child? Rumors. He would have grown up under the whispers of rumors. Jesus would have had to listen to the conversations. Joseph should have took her This is the scorn that Jesus would have been brought up under living in a town that was impoverished and a Majesty, traitor, beauty, traitor, spooky. There's nothing about him that we should have Which is crazy for us to even consider because of all the songs that we have learned about his beauty, about his majesty. Those are my favorite about how lovely he is. 
we don't sing songs of worship about his disfiguring image. We don't sing songs about, oh, you who've come from the town of poverty. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not see him. And we did not see him. Like one from whom men Around. I just wonder what's changed. Change the hiding places we have. We still despise him. Still not like we said. It's changed. Even though we know the price that we Surely he has borne our sicknesses. I mean, that was Surely he's taken on our sicknesses and carried all our sorrows. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. But he was wounded because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastening for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we have been healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and Jehovah has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Jesus. He was oppressed, and it was he who was afflicted. That he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is dumb before its shearer, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and by judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who among them had the thought that he was cut off out of the land of living? For the transgression of my people to whom the strength. And they assigned his grave with the wicked, but with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But Jehovah was pleased to crush him, to afflict him with grief. When he makes himself an offering for sin, he will see a seed, he will extend his days, and the pleasure of Jehovah will prosper in his hands. But Jehovah was pleased to crush him, to afflict him with grief. When he makes himself an offering for sin, he will see, he will see a seed, he will extend his days, and the pleasure of Jehovah will prosper in his hand. He will see the fruit of the travail of his soul, and he will be satisfied. By the knowledge of him, the righteous one, my servant will make the many righteous. And he will bear their iniquities. We know of being a suffering servant. What do we know of being the suffering servant? Anything? Anyone? What do we know of being the suffering servant? The moment that suffering comes our way. What do we know of being a servant? Most of us make much of small things. 
as if they are the same person. Oh, I went out of my way. I laid down my day's agenda, had to reroute it to go and do this, that, and the other for so-and-so. And we agonize over it as if we too are the suffering soul. Look what he accomplished. Took on our 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 iniquities. He took on our sin. He took on our disease. What a recipient of being saved, of being rescued, ransomed, and whole. Willingness to go that way. Let's go back to Acts. Jump over to four. Starting in verse forty two. We read it this morning. We read through the whole, the end of three and the whole chapter of four. We know what happens. We know that Peter and John have been arrested. And that does not stop them from boldly declaring what it is that they are doing there. They they are not stopped. They are not shut up. They continue on in their bold ways. Peter is even filled with the Holy Spirit all over again just so he can be even more emboldened. He's not, he's not shying away from the call because now he's arrested. He doesn't care. I think he sees opportunity. I think second, here we go, boys. This is about to get real. I mentioned opposition before we even got started. Remember when we created a barrier around this place? We have opposition entering into our scene every time we're in the midst of high praise. This is that on steroids. Our opposition is coming in different ways altogether. I, I even think it's ridiculous that I'm calling it opposition distraction. Our opposition is simply distraction. And, and but this for them is opposition and they don't shy away. They stand tall and they declare who it is Jesus Christ is and what they did, what their partnership was in killing Christ. They don't shy away. And we know that they were released because they couldn't deny that the man was whole. And they couldn't deny that these are uneducated men who certainly sound educated. I think that they were probably threatened by what it was that they were actually preaching. And if Walter was indeed part of this preaching that was going on, how much more removed? Because this man is not educated and he didn't walk with Jesus. And if he is part of this whole thing, Walter, a.k.a. the bigger, lame man, okay, beautiful, just for the record. He's part of this. Their heads had to have been they, they were probably even provoked to anger at this point because they're like, I, I, it's perplexing. Like, how, how does, how do we vote this? And they, they, they can't, they can't find anything to keep them. We know that they would go back to the people. And we also know that, that now their number is up to 5,000. That's a myth. Men, their, their numbers are now at 5,000 men. And so Peter and John go back to, to their community and, and they share and release whatever. And they all in one accord, they lift their voices up and they're all so excited about what's going on. Some of them probably don't even know why they're so excited. They're just joining in. 
and they're filled with the spirit but this time when they lift up their voice they're all declaring the gospel I want to see this. 305,000. But I want to see this. Okay, so 32. And the heart and soul of the multitude of those who had believed was And not even one said that any of his possessions was his own. But all things were common to them. And with great power, the apostles gave testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I can't imagine the excitement of the apostles to be able to tell the story over and over and over again. One second I was sad because he was arrested, and then I just waited, and I did my own thing, and I went back to my old profession. That's interesting. And then we got news. Jesus was on the tree. I mean, can you imagine them being able to tell the story over and over again? I was out on the boat and I was fishing because I just went back to what I knew because this whole thing seemed like a scam and now he's gone and I don't know what to do with my life, so I'm just a fisherman. And then Jesus is like, hello, from the, the shoreline. <laughs> Want some breakfast? <laughs> and so they told him the story. Hello! I'm just very easily influenced. Um, and so, they're telling the human story over and over and over again. I think that that's what mom and I would have loved to have done for all of that. And great grace was upon them all. For neither was anyone among them in need. For as many as were owners of lands or of houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things which were sold. And they placed them at the feet of the apostles, and it was distributed to each as anyone had need. This is the second time that Acts tells us this is what's going on. We know that more people have been added to their numbers, and they're following suit. They're suddenly like, Was my They just, they have all things in common. Anything that, that they had, they no longer considered their own because they had gone from occupying in the world And you no longer struggle along with it. Then the Paul tells us the in it and not of it. The in and out of it. You are. You are of a never kingdom of heaven. You are ambassadors. Our declaration. You're ambassadors now of the kingdom. You cannot be an ambassador of the kingdom and the world at the same time. It doesn't work. It's, it's a flash. It doesn't work. Because the systems of the earth will not bow to your authority. Because there is a higher authority that comes by way of the name of Jesus. That the things of the world have to bow to. The world is his and everything in it. That's either true or it's not. As the owner, by his name, all things must obey. But when God's people, his ambassadors, are striving the line, it's just confusion. Sheer confusion. Because we're talking out of both sides of our mouths. We're wanting to, to remain in the comforts of the world because it's what we know. Yes, it's what we know. God is wanting the vision to his kingdom because he wants us to bring it in rule. The end game is not sitting around in heaven and crying out, holy, it's the 
Endgame is new heaven, new earth, reigning and ruling. It's why we exist. So the idea of escapism, like I'm going to die until the Lord comes back and sweeps me away into the sweet by and by, where everything is just going to be hunky dory and I'm going to sit on a cloud or something. That's not your reality. That is a lie. It's a lie. That is not what it says. Why would God have created human beings and a world for us to occupy if we were going to be taken up into heaven that's going to be full of the throne away anyway and a new one made? That doesn't make any sense. That is escapism. That is us not wanting to take responsibility of what it is that God has given us, which is two. You are far more powerful than you realize. And unfortunately, because we straddle the line of the Roman our power and authority is not actually going to influence what it Dangerous. Dangerous for kingdom people to be functioning under the power of the Lord. Because as Vince has laid out early on in this series, the influences of the world are bad guys. I know that's simplified. Jump back over to Isaiah 331. Hold your finger there. Maybe I didn't tell you to do that. That's okay. Oh, we, we do. We do, we do. 5312. Okay, I just want to remind you. And the heart and soul of the multitude of those who have believed was one, and not even one said that any of his possessions was his own, but all things were common to him. Verse 12 of 53 in Isaiah. Therefore, I will divide to him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he alone bore the sin of man. And interceded for the Therefore, I will divide to him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong. Jesus went in. He didn't just he didn't just win the victory. He took the spoils. And we have to understand the ways of the kingdom are all things in common. This was not just an act to get them by. This was a kingdom mentality that they took on. That they would have all things in common. And that all that they had was now part of the kingdom. Acts 4 ends in a man named Barnabas going and selling land to give to the apostles. Gave the persons to the apostles. Now this is where the, this is this this part of the story takes a turn. We need to like look into the information that Luke has provided for us. He's a Levite. The Levites have no inheritance. Their land remained within them but it was not there. As individuals they had no inheritance. The inheritance was to remain with the fullness of the tribe. This is the law of the land. When God gave Moses the law, he was to hold him. Some would say with a babysitter and tell everything until Jesus came into the world. What Jesus did 
bypasses what Moses applied. Barnabas is making a decision to move from the systems of the world fully into the kingdom of God. He goes, as a Levite, goes and sells his land that belongs to the tribe. He's pulling the Levitical tribe out of the system of the law and into the kingdom of God. This is amazing to me. What an act! He is, he's, he was, he's not a part of the originals. He's been brought in. He has seen, heard, and made a decision. I'm in. He's gone and sold land and given. And I think it's really also important to note that his name is He's a prophet. This guy's a prophet. And God is about to use not just the gift that he's offered to the kingdom of God. And I think it's wrong to simplify it and say, yes, you can be saved. I guarantee you that you and I can experience the effect of what it is that God has done. I realize we're talking long, long ago. I don't care if my kingdom works. I benefit from what Barnabas did way back then. So I need to follow suit and say, you know what? Get your little toes out of the world, Angie, like Barnabas. Turn your back on that. There is a better way. I don't need to worry about possessions. My concern has to be about the kingdom. Why is this, this is so important to me? Because of what I've just done. If I want to have real and lasting impact, I can no longer have anything to do with the world system. Anything to do with it except for take dominion. Get the squatters out and take dominion because we need the justice that comes from the foundation of the throne of God in operation in the earth today. We do not need our legal system finagling any longer. Here's the deal. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to say it again because I feel like it's so important. We need to get this. I, I, I want us to really dive into this and, and ask for more understanding because we need to understand. We need we need better understanding, better revelation on on um, justice and um, righteousness. If this is the foundation of God's throne, why isn't it ours? Why aren't we functioning on this? And, and if you're anything like me, you could maybe say a few sentences about the truth. That's not enough. It's not enough to go on. We need a better understanding of justice and righteousness. Okay. If I have one foot in justice that is part of the world, right? Our system of justice that is in operation here in Justin City. Right? We have a system of justice that's in operation here in Junction City. And my other foot is on the foundation of God's throne, right? If I have a better understanding of the system of the world, I will not side with Jesus' ruling. I will side with what makes the most sense to me. And because we have all been brought up in understanding, more understanding, I think we can all agree on that, of the, the system of justice, we have a hard time hearing God when he says, Angie, I want you to start praying for this guy. I want you to start praying that, that he'll fall on the rock of the rock falls on him. Talking about a murder. Maybe I want you to stop praying for him. There was something inside of me that was just kind of like, oh, I, what? He did it. <laughs> right? Like, he did it. And so I'm over here at this request of God, and I'm going, what? Like, my mind is, 
blown because I'm going like, this is this is like I, I know what's going on here. He did it. Guilty. My verdict: guilty. All the evidence points to guilt. And this is this is this is the important thing about home is that when we function out of the systems of the land, we will not side with Jesus' verdict, who is the great judge. Right? And so when he's asking the evangelists, do you fall on the rock before the rock falls on him and go, sounds like mercy. This sounds like mercy, God. What are we doing here? So I start to pray. I mean, honestly, like, I was kidding. I started, so I just started repeating God's word. You know, it, it, one of those things, it's like, it, you will fall. I just start commanding. You will fall on this rock. You do not want to get crushed by this rock. And in the middle of my intercession, God starts showing me that if he fell on the rock, right? Maybe. Falling on the rock. Jesus talked about this. Falling on the rock. That's the kingdom of God. If he falls on the rock and, and he confesses guilt, I did it. He gets washed in the blood of Jesus. God's mercy can be applied. I'm not saying that there's not wages for sin. It's not what we're talking about. Talking about why we can be part of this, the world in the kingdom. If the rock falls on him, he doesn't have options. You see what I'm saying? And this is what God is laying out before me. I'm on my way to the courthouse, and God wants to have this whole encounter about fall on the rock before the rock falls on you. I fully expected that. That's how powerful this encounter was. And this is how we should feel on the outside of the of the Lord. When we enter into kingdom truth, this is how we should feel. We should arrive at a destination fully believing this is what's going on. The end result is a hung jury, 11 to 1. We have one person who absolutely refuses to participate in deliberation. I'm not sure she was fully Christian as a community. Is fine. She was also from a very religious church in town. I even tell her those are the same churches. She never had to make a decision at this level before in her life. And she was frozen in terror. Which was sad. Totally intentional. Was angry. I was so angry. I'm like, I cannot believe this. I just spent two weeks of my life here. And this is the outcome. I whined. I was not happy. No one was. She was seven hours at eleven to one with someone who kept crossing her hands. She couldn't. She couldn't have it. She didn't know how. She didn't know how to even get that weight. And she didn't. She's not allowed to make decisions. Later on that evening. Started talking to me about the intercession that was made on behalf of this defendant, following the rock for the rock falls on him. And I'm not so sure he didn't plant this little religious chip dressed like a dinner jumper. To give him time to admit things. And that's the difference between the system of justice and the foundation of justice. There's a scripture that I think we talked about last week. God exalts himself to show us mercy. I don't know what that does to you, but I'm just like, the idea of God exalting himself is odd to me. He exalts himself to show us mercy. God's fullness concerning this year, that you will know what it means to sit on the seat of mercy. 
We cannot fully comprehend that. We do not understand that has justice feels like, looks like, operates like. We won't. Because we don't we won't know when he exalts himself because we're so tied up in understanding different forms of justice. I know it probably feels like I'm throwing some of the sideshow. I'm not. It has everything to do with it. These people were pulled completely uprooted from their Jewish life and placed into the kingdom. And they They refused to function under the system of the world. Do you remember in Galatians? When Peter starts siding with Jewish tradition, gets caught talking about circumcision and clean and unclean things, Paul catches wind of it. You guys remember the story? Paul shows up. I don't know. I kind of think you could hear Paul coming. Like Mufasa, I don't know. Paul, Paul shows up. And after having this revelation, I'm going, this is what Paul's so angry. This isn't just about, you know, somebody practicing an, an old way of doing things. Peter is caught back in the world. And it's not allowed. It's simply not allowed. This is the lesson that is talked about. When we incorporate the world systems, when we try to bring the world systems into the kingdom of God, for the church, it creates confusion. We allow distraction, tolerance for sinful behaviors. This is how we got where we are. The kingdom of God has a standard. And we won't live up to that standard if we actually we will not be people who look at the things that we have collected. I was in the area. Look at this thing. Isn't it neat? What did you think? Wouldn't you think I'm a girl? A girl who has everything? What a moment. That's how we are. We want to put our possessions on the look what I have. And it should be like more to this. It's yours too. Right? It's it's just it becomes common property. What I have is yours. You can use it. I was thinking of this this morning when I was being breathed. I was like, we just need to have a common closet, ladies. I know my pants won't fit you, Christy, but if you want to come over and like, <laughs> and let's crop the crop to look at <laughs> Although my pants might be more like, breathe on you. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, if we don't start thinking in these terms, we're going to miss it, even on the small things like my closet. So my closet is open to you. Ladies. <laughs> You're going to have to draw the line at cross dressings. You can be calm in your building. It's what the kingdom looks like. The kingdom expanded because of this. It expanded because of this. And they weren't required. There was no requirement for them to go and sell property. That was not a requirement. It was what they were prompted to do. It's what they were provoked to do. It's what the Spirit led them to do, some of them. Some of them still kept their homes. One of the Marys had a home, and it was used to put people up to stay. She used it for hospitality. We need homes for hospitality. 
I mean, I'm looking at July going like, Lord Jesus, we need homes for hospitality. <laughs> yeah, he will. And, and I am just crazy enough to expect it. That everything that, that we need for something like that is just going to fall into place because we are kingdom people. And, and collectively, we have enough for the nations. Can I just throw that in there? We have enough for the nations. We have enough for the nations. God knows what he's doing. You're not just here by happenstance. He knows what he's doing. And I know that collectively we have enough for his donations. Well, lavishly. Because that's who Christ is. He gives As you're standing up, I just want to read this portion of the word for 2024 to you. You will you rightly invest yourselves and your resources. I am after distinct and disciplined alignment, a people who will source my glory at the right time and with the right volume. You will practice with your time and your resources, proving your laid down posture. I will not have people who say one thing and do another. I'll stop at wholly devoted and not before. Even in your practice, I will bless your seed. You will experience an acceleration of abundance to accompany your obedience. So I will ask the first question again. Will you rightly invest yourselves and your resources? Yes. Jesus. You heard the people. <laughs> and would you please bring us fully into your kingdom? Anything that has a foothold in that system that's going on in the world, we're asking it right now that those chains be broken in the name of Jesus and that we would be free to stand tall and to stand proud in your kingdom, God, as ambassadors. Those who are ready and willing to go into all the world proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ. God, we're so honored to be a part of what we do. No other generation is walking in revelation. You are we are Jesus. Yes. 